Hello and welcome to the Macaw Family Presents Expedition Rewatch. This is our very first bonus episode and we are rewatching Season 1, Episode 1 of Expedition Unknown. This is a long line of bonus episodes where we will be rewatching all the episodes. And I believe there's about 11 seasons so far. I've seen them all, I just kind of forgot. <laughs> So I decided to do this because I love Expedition Unknown. I think Josh Gates is wicked cool. He's from New England, my place. <laughs> he's a archaeologist. He's a scuba diver. I mean, he's he's pretty much everything you want to be. He's like Indiana Jones, basically. I mean, but in real life, he helps solve mysteries. He helps. You'll see as we go along how cool he is, but if you've never seen the show, I recommend you watching it. The air date for this episode, which is Amelia Earhart, is January 8th, 2015. In this two-hour premiere episode, Josh hunts down new evidence on the iconic disappearance of Amelia Earhart. He first treks to uncharted tribal lands of PNG or Papua New Guinea, then ends his journey in Fiji, hoping on to uncover the truth of Amelia's death and find her remains. So, it says it's a two-hour premiere. I've only been able to find a 42-minute episode. So, everything is there. I just don't know where the two-hour premiere came from. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. So, in the South Pacific in 1937, Amelia Earhart, Fred Noonan, and uh, their plane, an Electra, was never seen from again. Amelia and her navigator, Fred Noonan, are on their last leg of their trans-world flight on July 2nd, 1937. They set off from Leh, Papua New Guinea, headed for remote Howland Island in the Pacific. On the way, they completely disappear, and it is still a mystery to this day. A, We're going to go through a couple of theories, and then we're going to get into the scenes of the show and do our little rewatch. Theory number one, a team finds a piece of aluminum debris on a Pacific Atoll of Nicomaro Island, just south of Howland, which they believe to be part of Amelia's Electra. Human, bo human bones were also discovered on this same atoll in 1941, only to be shipped to Fiji. There is a search to locate the missing remains because once they went to Fiji, they uh, weren't seen again. But we'll get into that later in the episode. Theory number two is Amelia circled back to where she took off from and crashed somewhere there. <coughs> Excuse me. A local tri tribe claims to have found wreckage deep in the jungle with new reports of an underwater wreck just off the shore. Scene one. Josh is in his office in New York talking about the theories in the case of Amelia Earhart. He says he has been fascinated with Amelia his whole life. Like I said before, he also has a degree in archaeology. Scene two. Josh lands in Leh, Papua New Guinea, or PNG as the locals call it. Josh starts off by going to the original Leh airfield where Amelia took off from for the last time. It's an overgrown, now used um, as a lot for shipping in containers, so it just looks like a big field. He's walking around and he's talking about the story of Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. And I feel a little side note that 
When the story of Amelia Earhart gets told, I don't feel like Fred's story is told as much. And he was, he was there too. He's missing too. So let's get into it. May 21st, 1937, Amelia and Fred depart from Oakland, California in an attempt to be the first woman in history to circumnavigate the globe. Over 21 days and 21,000 miles, they make stops along the top of South America before crossing Central Africa, the Middle East, India, and Southeast Asia, finally landing in Papua New Guinea. It was there on July 2nd, 1937, that they took off and were never seen again. As he's talking about it, Josh gets emotional because he like I said before, he'd been a fan of Amelia. With only 7,000 miles left, she had the Pacific Crossing to go. Her next stop was meant to be Howland Island, only 2,500 miles or 18 hours away. She was supposed to refuel there and to go on to Honolulu and then finally Oakland for the end of her trip. Amelia transmit her final message to the Tataska. Atasca, sorry, a U.S. Coast Guard ship on the coast meant to guide her to the island. Quote, we must be on you, but cannot see you. Have been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at a thousand feet. End quote. The ship receives the transmission, but Amelia is unable to hear the response. It is likely her radio is damaged. After this, they literally never heard from again. All that's left... Um, at the airfield where she took off is a memorial in her name and it seems to be like kind of long forgotten. Scene number three, Josh meets in the village during a sing-sing, which is where tribes come together in music and dance. Josh joins in after he is granted a meeting with the tribal chief, Iru Bayman. This tribe are direct descendants of the tribe that Amelia met while she was in Papua New Guinea. Through oral history, they have preserved that memory. According to the chief, quote, when Amelia came there, it was a big deal. According to the chief, <laughs> most people had never seen a plane or even a white woman. Another tribe claims she circled back and crashed not far from their village. The tribe is not the only people who thought she came back to Papua New Guinea. In 1945, an Australian corporal on patrol in the jungle of Papua New Guinea came across a rusted and badly damaged airplane engine. Although he didn't know his exact location, he jotted down a partial serial number on a map, and it read GI-1009, Sirit Reference 600H-P, S3HI, which is the same model series as the Electra, C-N-1055, which matches her construction number of her plane, and then in um, brackets, 24-5-45. Until the, now, the engine has never been seen again. But now, a remote tribe had may have found it. While they were filming with the chief, they experienced an earthquake, which is crazy to see because everybody's kind of running around so yeah it's just a little earthquake it's nothing crazy nothing falls down or anything but josh explains it feels like that somebody took the land and just kind of shook it like they were panning for gold which is wild and i guess they experience earthquakes there all the time after talking to the chief josh gets a lead on another tribe finding an engine in the woods 
possibly the same one that was found by the Australian corporal. Scene number four. Josh travels from Ley to the island of New Britain and landing in Rabul. The island still has remnants of World War II all over it. Anti-aircraft guns and bunkers. Papua New Guinea was a strategic location right near Australia, and it made it prime real estate for Jap the Japanese during World War II. There are tons of, quotes ghosts from the past, end quote, as Josh puts it. Tanks, guns, bomb. It will make the hunt for Amelia's downed Electra a little more difficult because there's downed planes and just crap everywhere from World War II. And it kind of sucks, if you think about it, when it comes to, like, um, just islands and area that was used as a strategic point you know, quote unquote, for other countries that when the war is over, all their crap was just left everywhere for the people that live there to deal with. And I kind of personally think that's a bit bullshit. But while Josh waits to meet a local aviation expert who will take him to the jungle wreck, he stops by a local market. While he was there, he is tries a Papua New Guinea treat. It's called Bao. Seemingly random recipe of betel nut, mustard stick, and lime. They are combined and chewed, and it provide, produces massive amounts of red spit. The guy who gives it to him and is showing how to do it, his whole mouth is like red. It's something new for If it's something new that you're not used to, it can be intense, and it seemed Josh had a bit of a hard time, and it made him feel dizzy and a bit off. Josh finally meets with Rob Rowenson. He is an aircraft expert with the Pacific Rex. He lives in Papua New Guinea and speaks the language. He is an integral part of the trip because he'll be able to communicate with the tribe and kind of be that in-between person. They take a helicopter to the remote village. This is some of the least explored jungles on Earth. As they are flying, they have trouble spotting the village. They go to land so the cameraman can get out and film them land again. It's kind of their trick. So whenever you see like one of these shows and there's a, you see the helicopter land and the host jumps out, just seems all natural and stuff. It's actually, the helicopter's already landed and set somebody out to record that. It's quickly um, noticed that they are not alone. And the, you see the cameraman run back to the helicopter, be like, the natives are here and they looked fucking pissed, dude. <laughs> um, in the tree line, there are men with spears. So Josh and Rob jump out off the helicopter. So there's no filming them doing this again. And the helicopter just leaves. Um, but this is... Uh, kind of meant to probably bring some drama you know but these are the men that they're supposed to meet so they are all really nice they come over and they shake hands and it's kind of like showing you that don't judge a book by its cover situation we meet tribesmen bill and clement they're nice and bring them to a dry place because it is raining you know, rainforest and all. The Baining tribe, like many Papua New Guineas, uh, Pop Papuans, Papuans, speak pidgin or pigeon. It consists of 
largely English and German words, repurposed into a new unique language. So Josh is like, you you recognize some words, but it just sounds kind of like gibberish if you don't know what they're saying. We also learn this is the first time anyone with cameras have ever been to their village. The tribe welcomes Josh and the crew with a fire dance, something that is rarely seen by outsiders. And they have these beautiful masks and outfits and it's just the most beautiful thing. They don't have shoes on, they're bare feet, and they're going through the embers. It's just, I guess it's um, a tradition to do this, to welcome new people and to welcome boys into adulthood. It's just, it's really, really a beautiful thing. Josh meets with the chief, and the chief lets him in on the location and has people who know where it is to guide them. So they know where the engine is and they're going to have some men from the tribe bring them there so they can see um, where this engine is. And maybe it's hers, maybe it's not. They soon come upon a plane engine in wreckage. Amelia's engine was a Pratt in Whitney, which is crazy because we have a plant near where I live, actually. So while they're going to search for this plane, it is dark out. There's snakes, there's spiders. So having the men with them is definitely helpful. And they have torches and all that fun stuff. In the wreckage, they find an undercarriage. It turned out to be a dual leg undercarriage. The Electra, uh, her, uh, Amelia's plane undercarriage was a single only leg with a wishbone on the bottom and forks over the wheel. What they found belonged to a much heavier aircraft, possibly a Japanese plane. So it did not belong to Amelia, but still the crash is important because it was obviously a loss of life. Rob will take all the information he learned from the jungle wreck and try to piece that mystery together to give some more people closure. So although they didn't find Amelia, they found a wreck that had never been charted, never been mapped or given to the POW MIA people that way whoever crashed here whether allied or not at the time they still deserve to know who they were and their families deserve to know what happened to them and they're not you know missing anymore which is amazing Josh and his team head back to Rabul now they know that the jungle wreck is an Amelia and they're heading to another lead a wreck off the coast of old Rabul Maybe the Electra belonging to Amelia. Scene number five, we have Josh heading to Old Rabul, or what's left of it. Papua New Guinea has volcanoes, and they're very much active. One named Vulcan, another named Tverve, that loom over Rabul. Just a month before Josh and his team come to Papua New Guinea, one of them had erupted. As he is driving, it looks like a wet, sandy terrain, what it actually is, though, is Old Rabul. In 1994, the city was decimated by the volcanoes, and all that's left are stark remains peeking up from the ash. So concrete blocks, it kind of just looks like chimneys sticking out of the ash. It's, it's wild. Josh meets with Rod Pierce, a dive expert and a World War II historian. Rod has been researching wrecks since 1970. They use a missile-looking thing, which is called a towfish and they will use it to scan the 48-square-mile harbor. Rod lets Josh know that it works very well, saying, quote, it will pick up a nipple on a mermaid. 
they begin scanning with the sonar. Lockheed only produced, or yeah, produced 147 Model 10 Electras. Only four ever visited Papua New Guinea, and three are accounted for. So if they end up finding an Electra, it will be Amelia's. There's just no other way around it. The harbor is eight miles wide and six miles long, and they are scanning every inch of it. While they search, they enjoy a cup of tea, and then BAM! A plane pops up in the sonar, which is so cool looking. I don't know if anybody is old and, you know, if anybody can remember those. It's like a square thing and it looked like little um, metal things and you could push your hand in it and it will make like an outline of it. It's what it looks, reminds me of. It's just like a toy plane pushed into something. So you just see this 3D picture of it. It's pretty cool. They come up on the wreck and that is badly damaged. Sorry. I went got way too far ahead of me. <laughs> so they obviously anchor up and then they dive down to the wreck. They get to the wreck, which is badly damaged, and it looks like it could be a Grumman TBF Avenger, an Allied torpedo bomber that helped defeat the Japanese in World War II. While they were looking in the cockpit, they did find what appears to be human remains. The three-person crew still appears to be trapped in the cockpit. They can use the information they gathered on their dive to help identify the plane and his crew, so it's another mystery solved. Although they're looking for Amelia Earhart and they want to solve her mystery, this is now two different crews on flights, and both probably from World War II, that are able to be taken off the POW MIA list whose families now have answers to where they are. This is, it is really amazing to see, and this is a big, huge reason why I do love Expedition Unknown, because maybe this mystery that they've gone to solve, they don't find all the direct answers to, but they do help in other cases, and this isn't going to be the last time we talk about maybe not getting the answers to the main mystery, but helping other people get answers to their mysteries. Rod and his team will identify the remains, possibly either New Zealand or American. Josh heads out onto theory number two. Josh doesn't really believe that Amelia would have had the gas to turn around and limp back to Papua New Guinea and crash there. He thinks he have it as the dense, sorry folks, suggest other things. So... The new theory is that once Amelia couldn't find Howland Island, she headed someplace closer than going back to Papua New Guinea. Just 400 miles south from Howland Island, a small uninhabited island called Nukamaro, and crash landed there. And this is a big theory. An, avi- an aviation research and recovery organization has claimed a piece of aluminum found at the atoll was a custom-made patch that Amelia had installed on the Electra during her transworld flight. What makes this evidence even more compelling is that in 1940, a British officer discovered 13 human bones on the atoll. He put the partial skeleton in a box and took it to Fiji for analysis. The bones were sent to a school of medicine and only given a slight look before they disappeared in the archives. Crazier still, in 1968, a young boy named John Gray 
was exploring a crawl space under his home in Fiji when he made a terrifying discovery. A box of bones that included a human skull were under his house in a crawl space. The house had previously belonged to an employee of the School of Medicine. Some believe that these could be the missing bones. The bones were donated to a Fiji museum, but, plot twist, they are lost again. If those bones can be found, it could be the missing piece that we need to end this missing person's case. John lands in Suva, Fiji. He goes to meet with John Gray, the 13-year-old boy who in 1968 found the bones. John says his cousins and him wanted to check the place out. He crawled under the house, like boys do, and found a box. As they moved the cover, they saw a round, white, brown thing. As he realized it was a skull, he really freaked him out. I mean, 13-year-old boy finding a skull? Yeah, that would be terrifying. His family donated them to the Fiji Museum. John said, quote, I didn't want to have anything to do with the skull again, so it never came back into my life. Until I read this thing about Amelia Earhart, end quote. He says something clicked in his mind, and he thought maybe what he found was her. The museum tells him the bones are gone. Unfortunately, the museum has no record of the box of bones at all. So I'm not sure what scene we're on now, maybe six, maybe seven. The crawl space was never actually searched. Possibly there is evidence under there still. Josh and John go to the house and they're going to go into the crawl space and do a search. John no longer lives there. His family doesn't live there anymore, but they were given permission by the homeowners to do this. Josh crawls under the house carefully. He finds broken pottery, broken glass, and marbles. Josh, an archaeologist, starts digging, finding coral, which he believes is probably used as fill, like coral and dirt, kind of to fill the space, <clears throat> and possibly bones. He finds possible human bones, so they notify the police. He stops digging immediately, and he pulls out a good handful of bones, honestly. When the police get there, they don't allow the team to continue filming, because now it is like an active... I don't know if you call it a crime scene or just they want to handle everything properly. The next morning when Josh goes back to the house, CSI are there under the house. And a funny thing is Josh sees one of the CSI in a full, like a hazmat suit. He's like, why didn't I think of that? I'm crawling under here with spiders and snakes and stuff. Why didn't I put on a hazmat suit? Because Josh, it wouldn't be good TV if you did that. You got to be freaked out a little bit. As you say in the intro, you do wild and crazy things, <laughs> but you always get the answers. DNA testing could take months, but it's confirmed at least one of the bones Josh found was human. And it gets uh, on the front page of the Fiji Times. So that's the episode, honestly. What there is for updates are that... um. DNA testing get, did get done on the remains found on the underwater wreck. And we're just waiting for that, for the POWMIA. I could not find any more information, but I know that their, the DNA from the bones was sent out to help identify the men that were in the airplane. And 
um, they are trying still to identify the engine and what plane came from there as well. So there's still people working. I know it's been a while, but DNA does take quite some time. Also, DNA testing on the bones preliminary said that it was a male bones, but honestly, it does not take away because Amelia wasn't the only one that was missing, Fred Noonan. So it could possibly be Fred Noonan's bones that were in the box and then under the house. Possibly. Another update is about the aluminum found on the island where the bones were found. And as I said, they believe that this could have been a patch from the electric plane. They reanalyzed the plate and they found letters and numbers D24, XRO, and either 335 or 385 etched into the aluminum. The panel had been rusted and corroded from years in the ocean and has rivet punctures similar to Earhart's Lockheed Electra. But scientists claim this isn't a precise match. But according to researchers, it could have been fitted as repair during her flight, as I said before. They are now doing more um, investigation into the plate itself, and they're going to make sure that it's not going to hurt it, basically. D24 and 335, or maybe 385, quote, we don't know what they mean, but they are the first new information from the panel that has been examined by various experts with different scientific techniques for over 30 years. And what they found looks like stamped or painted marks that could be from the original manufacturer. So if they could go back and figure this out and definitively put it to the air Lockheed Electra, Amelia's plane, and the bones match up as a man that came from the island, this could all mean that she crashed or landed on the atoll and starved or died in the impact and, you know, just time took things away. That is wild and that is season one, episode one of Expedition Unknown and this has been the Macabre Family Presents Expedition Rewatch. We will see you next week for a brand new Macabre Family Podcast episode and then the week after, season one, episode two of Expedition Rewatch. Don't forget to follow us up on our all our socials, the Macabre Family Podcast on Facebook, Macabre Family Podcast on TikTok, Macabre Family on Instagram, and you can email us at, at macabrefamilypod at gmail.com. And as always, my family, stay spooky. Bye.